Hey there, this is Michael Burris. I'm the lead pastor of Summit View Church in Irving, Kentucky, and this is our podcast. I hope this podcast encourages you, I hope it inspires you, and I hope it helps you to start seeing your life from God's perspective. Thanks for joining us today. Now enjoy the message. We are in week two of our series, Chasing Carrots, The Endless Pursuit of More. And, uh, and in this series, we're looking at how we can avoid all the traps in life of pursuing all these elusive things to us like fame, like approval, like comfort. Um, last week, we talked about um, how, to, how to avoid the trap of chasing fame. And then um, what I'm, I'm really excited about um, talking next week about the, uh, the chase of um, perfectionism and how we can avoid the chase of perfectionism. We're, we're learning all about that, and um, this month we're dealing with the lie that if I can have more of that, whatever that is, whatever that is to you, then I'll be happy. If I can just have more of that, then I'll be successful. If I can have more of that, then I'll be fulfilled. And we have this picture in our heads um, of when we, when we talk about chasing carrots of like uh, this almost like the, the cartoons or the movies of that carrot that's hung on the fishing pole and it's, it's, it's strapped to whoever, the, the horse or the donkey or, or something like that, and there's this carrot on a fishing pole. I told him last week it would work for me if it was a donut. Um, right now it would work if it was a big old steak, you know, just put that out there, hanging out there. But there's always this chasing after this carrot. And, but the problem is, is that it's a trick and that you're never going to be able to reach it. And so we're talking this month about those things that are just so elusive that you feel like you can attain it one day, but it's always just out of reach. And we learned that about fame last week, how we can avoid fame. Our series verse is Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 6, and it says this. It says, better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. What does that mean? That means it's better to have less stuff. It's better to have um, a less full life. It's better, it's better to have half of the fame, half of the social events, and to have peace and tranquility than it is to have everything that you want. Your, your life is filled up. You have two handfuls of anything that you want, but it's accompanied by toil and chasing after wind is accompanied by um, stress and, and the elusivity of you're never going to actually reach it. So today, I want to talk to you about something that I believe probably impacts most of you. And I know it certainly impacts me. Um, today, we're going to be talking about chasing money and stuff. Chasing money and stuff. And so we, before we dive into get today, I, I want to get a little bit of help from all of you. Okay, I'm going to ask a couple questions. Um, it's no fun without you, so make sure that you participate in this. Okay, how many of you would honestly say that you wouldn't mind being rich? Go ahead, raise your hand. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. Tell the truth, shame the devil. Um, some of you wouldn't mind being rent, uh, rich. Um, yeah, lot, that's like lots of hands. Some of you are like praying right now. You're like, yes, Lord, I receive that. Uh, I can feel it right now. You're like, I'm fasting. I'm just doing everything right now that I need to. Um, but how many of you would say that um, you would know someone who is rich, that you would know somebody who is, is rich? Um, and I'm wondering, have you ever looked at someone who's rich and thought to yourself, like, if, if I were rich like that, 
I'd do a better job of being rich than they're doing of, of being rich. Like, I could do that better. He, they're stupid rich. I'd be, I'd be smart rich. Um, this is more of a difficult question this morning. How many of you, this is not a trick, how many of you would say, I'm really, really rich? Really, really rich. Um, they're not too many hands that um, have gone up. So I did research on the idea of what people say they would actually do for more money, okay? And these are, this is, this is funny. I found an article that talked about what people would do for five million dollars, for five million dollars. So according to this article of the people surveyed, 54 percent of those people would listen to country music for the rest of their lives and nothing else for five million dollars. I mean, I could, I could probably do it, you know, I could probably honky-tonk my way down and, uh, and just It'd be fine. Um, 42% of people said that they would have all of their teeth removed for five minutes. I'm rich. I'm just, I don't have no teeth, but I'm rich. I hope that they would use the $5 million pay for some like dentures or some veneers and uh, fill their mouth up. Now, 50% of people said for $5 million, they would allow one random person on the earth to die. 50%. For $5 million. And 24% of people said they would live in solitude for the next 20 years for $5 million. In solitude for 20 years. And when they get out, they've got $5 million waiting on them. That's kind of crazy what people would do for money. Now, Gallup did a poll. Um, if you guys haven't, uh, Gallup, um, they did a poll and they've interviewed a lot of people to find out what is rich. When we talk about being rich, what is rich? In, in other words, if you want to be rich, at what point do you know you're actually rich? And so what, when do we have like enough money and stuff to say, okay, now I've finally crossed that line. I'm finally rich. I finally got what I want and I'm rich. And what's interesting is that the responses varied depending on where someone was at the moment. So those people that made $30,000 a year, what they said is that if, if, I, had 70, if I made $74,000 a year, that would be rich. I'd be rich. If I made $74,000 a year, just over double of what I'm making now, I would be rich. Some of you like make $74,000 a year and you're like, that, that doesn't feel very rich to me. These kids are eating my bank account up. They're, they keep eating, like no matter what, like, Every week, they keep wanting more food. It's crazy. It's... Some of you guys, um, here's another one. Uh, somebody that made $50,000 a year, if they made $50,000 a year, they would say, if I made $100,000 a year, I would be rich. If I just made $100,000 a year, that's the line for me. And again, some of you probably make $100,000 a year. You have a mortgage, you have some car payments, and $100,000 does not feel too rich to you. And what's fascinating to me is that they ask the top income earners, um, so like well into six figures, they, they asked them, they said, what is rich for you? And those people, the top income earners, their average, average response was, Five million dollars in assets. So then you're rich. So like, if you're just like the poor joker that only has two million dollars in assets, you're out of luck, dude. Keep on working. What is rich? Rich is a moving line. Rich is something that 
we can tell by the responses of people in different categories that you're never going to get it. You're never going to reach it. Rich is a moving line. What do you need to be happy? What do you need to feel rich? What do you need to be satisfied in life? Most people would say, I'm not quite sure what it is, but what I know is it's always just a little bit more than what I have. And this is why Jesus talked so much about the right perspective on money and things. There's, uh, there's 39 parables that Jesus told, 39 stories that Jesus told in all of the Gospels. And 11 of them talk about being wise with money, being wise with our money and our stuff. Almost a third of what Jesus talked about in our Bible was related to finances, was related to money, was related to how to handle that well. And it wasn't because of the fact of, um, of money. He doesn't want more money from you and more stuff. He, 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 just, he knows that money has the tendency to be the thing that can have the greatest grip on the human heart. And so that's why the Bible says that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. You guys have probably heard before that the love of money is the root of all evil, but that's not really what the Bible says. The love of money is, uh, or, or you, you probably heard that money is the root of all evil, but it's the love of money is what really impacts us, the love of money that we want to hold on to. Jesus said this in, chap- in Luke chapter 12 and verse 15. He said, then he said to them, he said, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Your life, your quality of life is not measured by the volume of your stuff. And we have to be on guard because everything in culture is shouting at you. You need this. You need that. Advertisements, social media. You can't even watch YouTube anymore without your video being interrupted by an ad for something that you probably can absolutely live without. So I want to tell you this morning some good news and some bad news. Which one uh, do you guys want first? Good news or bad news? Bad news. Um, Okay, I've got uh, good news first in my notes, so you guys are going to have to go with that first. Uh, Sorry, you guys really, you had no choice. Okay, Uh, the good news is this, okay, and I hope you're going to understand it. It's really, really good news. Don't miss it. Pay close attention. The good news is you are rich. You are rich. I asked you if you were rich. You said you weren't rich. Some of you said, I want to be rich, but I'm not. But you really are rich. You don't feel rich because you have more bills than you have money sometimes, but you are rich. When we get a little bit of perspective and recognize that probably around 3 billion or so people in the world today live off of $2 or less a day. Some of you guys spent more than that at Starbucks yesterday. Some of you guys bought a $5 cup of coffee yesterday. You're living more well off than 3 billion people in the world. It starts to put that in perspective based on where people live in the world that we're actually, in America, we're actually very, very rich. In fact, you can often tell just how rich somebody is by um, the things that upset you. So like uh, when you get really, really mad because Amazon, your Amazon order took three days and you darn well paid for Prime, so you should get it in two days. 
Or like your fast food order as you drove through the drive-thru and they didn't give you your dippy sauce for your chicken nuggies and that someone else prepared your food and you get mad about it. Or maybe your Netflix wouldn't connect to your Wi-Fi. First world problems. Or you forgot your AirPods and so you had had to actually manually hold your phone up to your head. Barbarians, I'm telling you. If you can drive your car, though, if you drove your car to church today, that puts you in the top 15% of the wealthiest people in the world. If you drove your car today, you're in the top 15% of the wealthiest people in the world today. So the good news is you are rich. Now listen, I want to acknowledge the fact that some of you are in very, very difficult situations right now. And I do not want to diminish that reality in your life. You're going through a tough time. And we want to be here for you. We want to support you. But the truth is that most of us right now, we are really rich. Now, the bad news. You guys ready for the bad news? The bad news is you're rich. <laughs> the bad news is you're rich. And that doesn't sound like bad news. Like You're like, wait a second, that doesn't... That doesn't sound like bad news, but it has the potential to be bad news because being rich actually puts us at a a tremendous spiritual disadvantage. When we're rich, we have a spiritual disadvantage. Why is that? You already have a roof over your head. You've got an entire room of your house that you're able to fill with food called the pantry. Like, you can buy anything that you want. And you've probably never had to pray recently, God, give me my daily bread. Like, you've never had to need God to supply food for that day so you didn't starve to death. It puts you at a disadvantage because we have a tendency to trust in our stuff, our income, our friends, and our family to provide more for us than we trust God for it. There are these crazy, amazing things that God will do in all these third world nations that you can read about, you can, um, you can hear about. There's, there's Now, amazing things happen in America too, right? But I've seen, them, um, I've seen things happen here with my own two eyes that, that are awesome. But some truly crazy things will happen like in third world nations that will blow your mind. you got like blind people that start seeing again because someone prays for them, or paralyzed people that get up and and run and and stuff like that. And why does it seem to happen so much more often over there than it does over here? And I believe it to be one simple fact. They have no other options. There's no other fallback. See, we have fallbacks in our life in in America that we... um, We get to to fall back on these things that we can lean on, on... on other things than God, but they have to trust in God because that's all that they have. And so it's it's the same with our money and our stuff. See, they have to trust God for their next day's provision. And here we kind of have a tendency a little bit to be spoiled that we have our, our fallbacks and we have our plan B and our plan C's. And they don't have any of that. So as a result, what you'll see is that they are much more radically generous than than we have a tendency to be. Like they'll literally give the shirt off of their own back. 
the only, the only meat that they've had in years, they'll take it and they'll bless a missionary with it. Maybe I need to go on a mission trip. Listen, I'm struggling, y'all. Here in America, we struggle to tip our servers on a Sunday afternoon. Because if I give God 10%, I ain't giving them no more, bless God. Come on. Seriously. You know you've, you've sat next to that guy. If you are that guy, don't raise your hand. Being rich is a disadvantage because Luke said, or, or Jesus said in the book of Luke chapter 12 in verse 48, from everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who's been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. Being rich can be good and being rich can be bad because... In the words of the great Uncle Ben, with great power comes great responsibility. If you've been given much, God expects more from us. So if we're rich, how can we handle it well? If, if being rich can be bad and being rich can be good, if we're rich, how can we handle it well? How do we do well with what we're entrusted? I think there's three realizations that we have to make. Number one... Number one, it's not about ownership, it's about stewardship. If you're taking notes this morning, you can write that down. It's not about ownership, it's about stewardship. It's not about all the stuff that I, you gotta, you know, you've, you, you hear people say, you gotta own your checkbook, you gotta own your finances. It's not about owning it. We have to break that mindset that all of the money and all the stuff that we have belongs to us in the first place because it doesn't. It doesn't. The Bible says it like this in Psalm chapter 24 in verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. So no matter if it's my bank account, no matter if it's my stuff, whatever it is, God gave it to me. And it all belongs to Him. It's not about ownership. It's about stewardship. God does this cool thing where He allows us to take care of His stuff for Him. This is called being a steward. Being a steward, a steward is someone who is appointed to manage someone else's property. And that's what God has appointed us as, as stewards, to take care of His property. And if I'm a steward... And God tells me to write a check. I don't get to question what's in the bank account. I don't get to question his, his, his thinking on it. If God tells me to write a check, I, I write a check because I'm not the owner. I'm the steward. And the steward does what the owner says to do with the money. We don't have to worry about, wait, what if I don't have enough this week to pay the bills? Or what if I won't have enough this week to feed my family? If God's the one asking you to do it, He won't leave you without. He's going to make sure you're taken care of. And I know that because Psalm chapter 37 verse 25 says this. The writer David says, I was young and now I'm old. He said, I've lived a long life. And yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging for bread. Never once has he seen the righteous, the people that follow after God, the people that, that choose to live the way that God is asking them to live, he's never once seen that person forsaken. God hasn't turned their back on them. 
And he's never once seen their children begging for bread. You don't have to worry about it. God's going to take care of you. We are the stewards, and God entrusts us with his wealth. It's not about ownership. It's about stewardship. Number two, it's not about preference. It's about priority. It's not about preference. It's about priority. See, part of avoiding the trap of chasing money and stuff is making sure that we're prioritizing the right things. This is what the Bible says on it. Um, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all of your crops. And this is why we brought our legacy, uh, we, we took our legacy offering last week on last Sunday, the first Sunday of the year, because we wanted to honor God first, our first fruits. We wanted to honor God on the first Sunday of the year to prove to Him that He takes priority in our lives. By the way, the legacy offering, we, uh, you guys are so generous that we, um, we brought in uh, $3,759.14, which is pretty awesome, because that is all going toward the vision that God has given us this year, that we would have greater reach, we'd have greater connection, and that we'd have greater vision. And so that's all going towards that. But that's why we took that last week on the first Sunday of the year, in the first Sunday of, uh, of last month, because we want to show God that we're prioritizing Him. This is also why um, Christians do this thing called tithing. There's a thing called the tithe. This is why Christians do this. Now, this word tithe, listen, you prob- some of you probably cringed just now in your seats. But this word tithe has been misrepresented for years in, the, in many American churches, okay? Now, let me preface this and say, we're not a church that's after your money. I don't want anything from you, but I want everything for you. And so we're going to teach about this because I believe there's a blessing in it for you and not just us to get your stuff. Now, um, <laughs> some of you are probably like, okay, here we go. Pastor's talking about, about money. This is my first Sunday, and he's talking about money already. This church just wants my money. I promise that's not the goal promise you it's not the goal. I'm not here to get anything from you. Our, my goal is not to make me rich, okay? Like, heck, I, I still work a full-time job outside of this church to make sure that we can continue to make a radical impact on this community and on our surrounding communities by using more of our bank account for that than paying me. So, um, that word tithe can actually, it can be kind of frightening to some of us, right? Like some of us have heard about tithing before and you're, that's the reason that you don't really want to go to the church because the church just wants my money and I don't really feel like going in there. But tithe can be frightening, but all it is is tithe just means a tenth. Tithe means tenth. Tithe means 10%. And so um, uh, not only is it a tenth, but what the tithe is, it's, it's the first and the best tenth. The first and the best 10%. So, um, the t- giving a tithe, um, I just want to educate you. Giving a tithe is not um, just meaning anything that you place in the offering bucket or anything that you put in our black giving containers or anything that you put, you know, mobile um, giving or on the bank account. Giving a tithe is actually a very specific thing that God asks us to give the first and best 10%. That means that, like, 
um, whenever I get paid, the first thing that happens with my paycheck is I take 10% of, um, of at least 10% of what my paycheck is, and I give it to the church because that's what God has asked me to do. That's what God has asked me to do. So the whole purpose, though, of the tithe, that God established the tithe, is not so the church is taken care of. Now, that's how it happens, but God could get us anything that we wanted. We've had, we've had churches outside of here been, that have been radically generous to us, um, that churches that we just met the first day, and, and they'll, they'll be radically generous and write us a, you know, an awesome blessing to us. So God can get us the money that he wants in order to take care of some of you in this community any way that he wants. But the tithe is not necessarily for that. The, the reason that God established a tithe was to teach us to trust him with our money and our stuff. To teach him to trust us with the thing that has the greatest capacity to control our hearts. Malachi chapter 3 and verse 10 says this, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. And there may, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Many of us hear that, that Bible verse that says, if you don't tithe, you're stealing from God. And, and I, I would rather say that, that you're stealing a blessing from yourself if you're not if you're not tithing, you're robbing, you're robbing yourself of the blessing that God is able to, to give you through our tithe. And it's not just a financial blessing. It's the blessing of knowing that I can 100%. There's no compartment of my life that I keep from God. That you can give Him everything, the closest things to your heart. That's why God asks us to give the, the tithe, not out of religious duty, but to honor Him and to trust Him. In order to give the first um, 10% of our paycheck to God, we have to trust that He's going to provide for our needs out of the remaining 90%. And that's kind of crazy to think about, but He will. I've been tithing now for um, just about 10 years that I've been, that I've been tithing, um, that I've been giving God at least 10% of everything that, I've, that I make. And I've never once, you can take this to the bank, not no pun intended. Never once have I had to, to, to beg for a meal. Never once have I had to skip a meal because I couldn't afford it. Like, I just skip meals because I choose to, I guess, for 21 days in the beginning of January. You're like, get off it, Pastor. We get it. <laughs> I'm not over it, okay? But this is the one time in this verse, Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, this is the one time in all of Scripture... In all of, your, all of your Bible, that God specifically says for you to test him. He said, test me in this. Give your, bring your tithe and test me. And he tells you what he'll do for you if you do. He'll pour out riches, his own riches, that are so great you can't contain them. Now, he's not just talking like numerically, but spiritually. He'll pour out such a blessing on you. But you give your first and best 10% of God and watch what He can do. Watch what He can do because there's a special blessing when we trust God with it. 
Listen, I believe in it so much. I haven't told my wife that I'm going to do this. I believe She's back there, though. So I believe in this so much. If you tithe, if you tithe for a month and you end up worse off than you were, I'll do everything I can do to, to find the money to give it back to you. Because that's how much I believe that when you tithe, God will not leave you stranded. He will not leave you hanging. I will replenish your bank account myself because I believe that God will make sure that you're taken care of. Just test Him in it. Test Him in it. Handling our money and our stuff isn't about having the most stuff and doing everything that we want to with it. It's not about preference. It's about putting God first and letting Him bless what's left. It's not about preference. It's about priority. And then number three, it's not about amount. It's not about amount. It's about attitude. You're like, wait a second, you just told me it was 10%. Listen, whatever that, that's where God wants us to start, but it's not, it's not the greatest givers that get the greatest blessing from God. It's not the ones that give the greatest amounts that are the ones uh, that are most blessed. How do I know that? Because there's some major names in our country that give away millions and millions of dollars each year. And I can guarantee you that they still don't feel fulfilled. Why? Because many, so many are giving out of the wrong attitude. Luke chapter 21 verse 2 it, Going on from there, it says this. As Jesus looked up, he saw the rich, the wealthy, putting their gifts into the temple treasury. And he also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. Truly, I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she gave out of her poverty and put all she had to live on. Guys, this woman put in only two small copper coins. Essentially, she put in two pennies to this offering. But Jesus showed us it isn't about the amount that we give. It's about the condition of our heart while we do it. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 7 and 8 say, Each of you... Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. That's why we make it, a very, we make it as, as uh, around here we try our hardest to not make you feel pressured to give, to not try to, uh, I don't want you giving out of compulsion. I don't want you giving reluctantly because this is what, God, what it says, that for God loves a big money giver, God, God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. You know what that last verse means? That the definition of being rich, the definition of, of, of prosperity, biblically, is that, you, that in all things, at all times, you'll be able to have what you need in order to bless the things that you want to give to. That's the definition of being rich. Maybe you can bless it with your time. Maybe you can bless it with your talents. Maybe you can bless it with your money. But the definition 
of being rich, of being prosperous in the Bible, is being able to see a need and give to it. To be able to see a need and provide what they need. But God says, don't give reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And when you give cheerfully, there's a blessing on it. The attitude in which you give plays a huge part in your act of generosity. Because God's desire for you is to give joyfully. To give joyfully. Nobody wants to receive a gift that's given begrudgingly. Like if you were to walk up to me on Christmas and be like, got you something. I, I don't really, I don't, probably don't want it. It's the same with God. Got you my tithe. <sighs> Doing it again. No, I'm excited every week that I get to. I'm excited because it reminds me it's another week that God's taking care of me and it's another week that I can trust Him. So I don't give begrudgingly, I give joyfully. And this is what I promise, the more that you give your time, the more that you give your energy to people, the more that you give financially to help take care of needs, the happier you're going to be. That's what that word blessed means. Blessed means happy, joyful, there's a blessing on it. That the more you give, the happier you're going to be. God, it, it, guys, it isn't about the amount that you can give. It's about the attitude in which you do it. So we're talking about fighting the urge to chase money and stuff. Guys, the best way to fight the urge to chase more money and to chase more stuff, you guys want to know it? I've got your prescription. The best way to fight the urge to be, to 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 chase after money is to actually be generous to be open handed with everything that you have if you come with open hands to give and to receive and as God sees you faithful with the little he's going to give you more he's going to give you more spiritually he's going to give you more physically he's going to give you more financially it's a biblical principle this is not a get rich quick scheme okay it's not This is a principle in the kingdom of God that God wants to give resources to the ones that are going to honor Him with it and the ones that are going to use it to make a difference in someone else's life. The Bible says that God gives bread to the eater but seed to the sower. God's going to take care of you in what you need. But if you start giving, if you start giving to other things, to other people to take care of their needs as well, God just doesn't give you a loaf of bread. He gives you this seed that can, that, can, that can produce a harvest that you can have multiple. God wants to give resources to the people. I, I truly believe this, that God wants to give resources to the people that are going to work to make a difference in other people's lives with it. Not to hoard it, to make a difference in the world. That's why God does it. Generosity is not about what we do. Generosity is about who we are. I'll go as far to make this claim. You cannot claim to be a follower of Jesus and live a stingy lifestyle. You can't do it. You can't do it. It's impossible because Jesus said this, no one can serve two masters Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. Guys, he was literally right there talking about money and wealth. 
You can't serve God and money, he said. Because this, money is a tool to be used, not a master to be served. Money is a tool to be used, not a master to be served. We're generous because we were created in the image of God. A generous God. How do, how do I know that? Because the most famous scripture in, in your whole Bible, John chapter 3, verse 16, says this. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God so God loved and so he gave. God loved and he gave. Guys, if we love, we give to the needy. If we love, we give to the oppressed. We give to the poor. We give to the broken. God, let me blow your mind. We even give to those people that don't deserve it because God gave me something that I didn't deserve. I didn't deserve the life of Jesus, but God gave it anyway. We don't just give because we're supposed to check that box off of the list. We are generous because that's who God created us to be. Well, thanks for joining us today. I pray that this message had an incredible impact on your life. If you want more information about our church, you can check us out online at summitview.online. We hope we get to see you on a Sunday very, very soon. But until then, have a great week.